yo, 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 yo. What's happening, fam? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Janet and James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent April 10th. Good Friday. Love you, Jesus. In the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. How you doing, folks? Glad to be here with you. Look at this beard. What do you think of this scraggly fucking shrub that I got plastered plastered across my face? I'm getting sick of this. This is like that quarantine uh, muff. <laughs> that quarantine scruff, you know? It like gets me in touch with my uh, primate ancestors, you know? I start getting all like... You know, I start feeling like a fucking monkey when this goddamn fucking quarantine scruff gets to fucking growing like wildfire across my fucking face. You know, <sighs> start getting all fucking ape, you know, starting going ape shit. Oh, the walls are talking to me. The walls are talking to me. <laughs> you know? Anyway, you know, if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, this is a podcast where I speak on myself in hopes to relate to yourself, the listener, the viewer, you know, shared experiences, kindred souls, best friends forever. And, you know, we're keeping each other going during this time of quarantine. You know, we got hairy bushes, hairy beavers, hairy fucking facial features, and we're just doing what we can to scrape by in these times. And uh, that's what the show's about. Um, understanding through relatability. And, you know, I'm getting some good feedback. A dear friend of mine and a avid listener to the show, R.S. <laughs> How you doing, player? R.S sent me um, a couple very inspiring, thoughtful comments and likes, which I'm going to post on my YouTube channel. You can check it out. Um, you know, you can catch this podcast via iTunes. You can catch it via, via Spotify, um, Google Play. You can also catch it on YouTube, the vodcast version with video. So I'm going to post uh, some of these screenshots of some of the kind words from my pal R.S. Amazing drummer, you know, uh, this dude, uh, you know, we're pals. And he gave me some encouraging words and, you know, it felt good. So I figured why not, you know, share the love, put it out there, show my appreciation for the avid listeners of J.R. the P., you know, all seven of them, you know, so it's, you know, a blessing during this time of quarantine. And I do thank you all very much for your viewership and your listenership. So if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire, 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. 
thespian to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Um, you know, COVID-19, you can't escape this news story, man. It's on everybody's mind. Global pandemic. And, you know, sometimes when you've been rocking a lifestyle for many a years, ups and downs, smiles and frowns in the acting world for myself, you know, studied due diligently as a youth, you know, um, acting camps, acting intensives, you know, the stress of being the lead actor in high school productions, quite embarrassing, you know, you're in the school newspaper, Jonathan Ramcharan, star of the high school musical, is there a doctor in the house? I was embarrassed. People thought I was gay. People thought I was bisexual. People thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. You know, there were so many mixed reviews. And it was a tumultuous time in the heart of a young actor. But I struggled through it. You know, so I banged it out as an actor in high school musicals, high school plays. Then I went on to theater school um, as a young adult. Then I've been scraping, scrounging, banging it out, busting it out, humping it out for the last you know, basically 19 plus years, you know? And here I am as a 33-year-old actor in quarantine, you know, feeling like a fucking monkey, a fucking chimpanzee. I want a banana. Where's my Oscar? Where's my Oscar? I want a banana. You know, I'm going fucking bonkers. Ape tits, I don't know, man. I might be up for the next Planet of the Apes reincarnation at this point. I'm going fucking bat tit crazy. Oh my God, I'm going Wuhan bat tit crazy. (laughs) Flying fucking Wuhan bat. I got the fever. Anyway, you know, symptom free, um, folly free, fancy free, with all this time on my hands to evaluate what's going on with the old career. And, you know, it's a time to really recharge, you know, What else can you do, you know? And that's relatable across industry, whatever you're doing, folks, whatever you're rocking with out there in your kingdom. As the princesses and princesses and transgendered peasants of your own kingdom, you got to really take this as an opportunity to step back, reassess, and, you know, carve that path forward. And that's what I'm doing here. And, you know, um, I believe in my talent and I believe in the complexity of the industry, show business. And through all of that, it's a very interesting and necessary journey that I'm only too happy and willing to take. You know, 19 plus years, still here. And, you know, successes, failures, Um, but still hungry, youthful, and, you know, wanting, wanting to, um, progress, you know? Life is a river and I want to keep running. Life isn't something I want to keep going out on a journey. What is that song? Is that Mel C from the Spice Girls? Life is a river I want to keep rolling. Love is a river I want to keep going. Ah, fuck it. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, I got that fucking magic stick. 
I got the magic stick and I'm going to keep on fucking swinging it. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy for that blessing. And I want to put that out there to you, all of y'all motherfuckers out there, um, dealing with what you got to deal with during these times. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. I am also an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking three plus years of consistent, consecutive sobriety. Yeah. I'm a drunk. And, uh, you know, I'm over three years sober now. And, uh, you know, the blessing of 12-step recovery, which is what I've done, which is what works for me, is that it is very thorough and um, thorough, meaningful um, process in the life of a recovering alcoholic. Um, I've, you know, come to terms, come to peace with, um, you know, the fact that I am powerless to alcohol, you know, that is something I cannot beat. I can't tame that dragon. It's just like, yo, I cannot drink. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. Come to terms with that. Made a lot of um, amends, apologies, righting the wrongs of my drunken, debacled past. Um, apologizing to people. Um, I owed a past boss a past previous boss. I owed him like $100. <laughs> One time he asked me to paint a wall in the uh, warehouse where he kept his inventory. It was like a, um, it was like a interior design company. And he had all this um, furniture, um, decor, decorum, things along that nature. And he had a warehouse for it. And he's like, Jonathan, you know, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, oh, nothing. He's like, well, would you like to paint um, the warehouse? You know, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. Or like, I don't know what it was, an hourly rate. So I show up to the warehouse and I'm just getting trashed, right? Like there's like a, uh, like a little mini bar uh, at the office of the, in the warehouse office. He had like a bar. It wasn't really a bar, more so much as um, just like a, a fridge with alcohol. <laughs> that I just helped myself to. So I'm getting drunk and I'm like, Ugh, and I'm like washing, painting walls, or, uh, knocking shit over. The place looked fucking, it looked like a crime scene, like splatterings of paint everywhere. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I've painted it. And, you know, he had given me a budget. He had given me like, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks to go pick up some paint supplies. And there was um, like, there was like $60 left. $60 left in change. And I'm just like, ah, fuck this motherfucker. He's always busting my balls, breaking my back. I'm working for pennies. I'm just keeping it. <laughs> I kept the change. I justified it, you know, in my mind. Ah, you know, I work hard for this guy. I feel like I'm underpaid. Fuck him. It's $60, whatever, you know. And, you know, that was a pretty low point in my life. I'd never really done anything. I'd never done anything like that before. You know, and it was just really greasy, underhanded, slimy, you know, fucking scumbag way to act. And, you know, once I got sober, I was able to make that amend, you know, sent him a, you know, 
sent him an email. Hey, what's up? I would just like to apologize for my actions back in the day. I really should have done a better job and I owe you money. I owe you $60 from the time when I got drunk <laughs> and, um, you know, fucked up that painting job. And he didn't reply to me, which was like, you know, his right and well understood. Like, why the fuck would he want to even have anything to do with me after I was such a shitty employee? But what I did was I got a money order, $100 money order, put it in an envelope, put it in an envelope, mailed it to him and, you know, paid my due. Paid the money I owed and... You know, he sent me an email. Oh, hey, Jonathan, sorry I was busy. Sorry I didn't reply to you. I got the money order. Hey, we all have bad days. Water off a duck's ass. Quack. And, uh, well, he was a gay man, so he's more like, Hey, Jonathan, got the, uh, got the, um, oh, gosh, what do you call it? Got the uh, money order. And, um, you know, we all have those days. Don't worry about it, honey. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, well, you know. It was still pretty shitty of me, and uh, but I thanked him. I thanked him for accepting my apology. So, you know, ups and downs, fucking smiles and frowns as a recovering alcoholic. And, you know, during this COVID-19 time, it's definitely a remember when. I'm walking down the street, and I saw like a, uh, you know, everybody's got their masks on. You know? And I'm walking down the street and I see like a clear garbage bag full of cans. And I remember just looking at these empty beer cans and I'm just like, wow. Like I remember when my house was covered, littered in empty beer cans, drinking around the clock. And, you know, it's a progressive condition, you know, you know. When, when I first started drinking, you know, it was almost like an honor, you know, like, I don't need to return my empties. I'm not a degenerate drunk. I'll put my empties out on the curb for those pleasant, those peasant alcoholics. They can have my empty cans, right? Then towards the end of my drinking, I'm like, I gotta take these cans in. I gotta return these cans. I gotta get some booze. I gotta get drunk immediately, right? I'd be taking back empty cans just to turn a lousy couple bucks you know, just to get like, you know, a couple cans of beer. It was a fucking pathetic, cock-beaten existence. And, you know, this panic, this panic that I see during coronavirus, this, you know, need that people have, the need to stockpile, stockpile. I need toilet paper. I need cans of beans. I need paper towels. I need hand sanitizer. I need everything. I, uh, 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 this panic, it's like, very similar to the panic an alcoholic can feel. I need my alcohol. I, I need... I, uh, like, I remember how horrible it would feel like when I would return my empty cans, I'd get like a lousy, measly fucking $4.10, you know, plus the $2 that I have in my pocket. So, you know, a can of beer was like, you know, a 710 milliliter can of beer, you know, a tall boy was like $2. So I get $4.10 return from my empty cans, plus the $2 in my pocket, I can buy three tall cans of beer. 
you know? That ain't gonna get me nowhere near drunk, right? And I'm at home just like, fuck, you know, like, how am I gonna make it through this night? Like, you know, you just felt so like, oh, oh, I felt like a COVID-19 patient. Oh, 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 they're coming for me, oh, oh, you know? And sipping on a fucking tall can of beer, nursing it, knowing you don't have enough to get drunk. Oh, it was a cock-beaten existence, man. I even remember a night when I contemplated drinking mouthwash. That was a low point. Standing in front of the mirror, fucking midnight in the midnight hour. Standing in front of the mirror with a fucking bottle of Listerine, mouthwash, just standing there like, you know, smoking a cigarette. Reading the ingredients list on the back of the bottle. Let me see here. Alcohol. Tetrochloride. All these fucking chemicals. You know, like, I don't know. Should I drink this shit? I mean, I see, I've seen people do it on TV. It should be okay, right? I remember having that conversation with, with myself. Like, wow, should I be drinking mouthwash? Luckily, I was like, okay, well, you could die from this. You really don't know what the side effects will be. I wasn't quite there in my alcoholism. But, yo, it's a progressive condition. I was getting very close the fact that I was sitting in front of a mirror at midnight, fucking half in the bag, contemplating drinking a bottle of Listerine, mouthwash. You know, those were the times. That was the illness. That was the cunning, baffling, powerful nature of my alcoholism. And through a 12-step recovery model, I found inner peace. You know, as much as I can handle, as much as I can understand and um, if you're out there and you are struggling and you need some help um, I suggest try doing what I did what I did was I joined a 12-step program that's nothing official no dues no fees no emphasis on religion Um, it's basically group therapy Um, and nobody's interested in your personal beliefs it's just group therapy on the condition of alcoholism. And during this time of COVID-19, coronavirus, meetings, 12-step programs, they're closed, basically, till further notice. But there are online streaming services, applications like Zoom. Uh, I'm sure there there may be something that you can get on Facebook, other avenues of live streaming in regards to um, sobriety meetings. So, you know, at the moment, we're kind of on pause. But that doesn't have to stop you from getting information. Just go on YouTube, go online, look up uh, 12-step recovery. There's many videos, many recorded talks, and it can give you that motivation and that insight to weather this, to weather this storm of um, uncertainty till further notice. So um, yes, I highly suggest twelve-step program. That's what I did, and you know, through that, you become, you know, you become more 
more aware of your role in society. You know, alcoholism can be very um, self-centered, egotistical, um, isolating behavior. So through a 12-step model, you become more aware of your place in society, more comfortable within your own skin. And day by day, your days will add up. Then one day you'll find yourself in a new life. And it truly is a blessing. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also a janitor. <laughs> yep. I'm talking mop buckets, slot buckets, toilets, tampons, urinals, urinal cakes, parking garages, fucking um, galoshes, garages, parkades, recycling bins, organic waste bins, uh, you know, garbage bins, the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a mall fucking janitor. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. God made dirt and dirt bust your ass. I'm a mall fucking janitor. I push a little mop bucket. I dip the mop in the mop water. Then I mop the floor. You know? Plunging toilets. Plunging toilets, you know? Washing windows. You know? Washing windows. Pushing a garbage trolley. Pushing garbage trolleys, changing garbage bins, you know, vacuuming. And if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. As I mentioned, recovering alcoholic. Having a nine to five, having that old nine to five keeps me focused, engaged. Watch, watch yourself, motherfucker. Keeps, you, uh, keeps me focused, engaged, earning an honest income, you know. Because idle hands are the devil's playground. You know, when you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, twiddly D, that's when the negativity, the bad thoughts, the stupid minded, uh, you know, conundrums can really torment you. So a nine to five keeps me focused, earning an honest income. And, you know, as an actor, performer, extraordinaire, you know, got to pay to play. Takes money to make money, you know? It ain't nobody bending over backwards to do nothing in my life, <laughs> in my career. So, hey, I got to be able to fund that. And it's a blessing. And, uh, yeah, janitor. Um, at this time of a global pandemic, I'm just thankful to have a job. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I work hard to maintain it. And there are many jobs that society deems essential during this pandemic. So, you know, while I do work hard and while I do make sacrifices to um, maintain the lifestyle that I need to maintain, to do the things that I need to do, to be the performer, to be the man, to be the recovering alcoholic that I want to be, while I do take those steps to ensure responsibility there also is the element of luck i have to admit there is a lucky side to um to the situation because you know there's a lot of people out there struggling financially you know there's going to be a global economic uh impact 
coming from this pandemic. So, you know, while all these essential employees, such as myself, while we do work hard to maintain our position, um, there's also the reality of luck and there's also the reality of counting our blessings, you know. So I definitely don't want to lose sight of that during this time. And um, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, um, you know, wish everybody out there struggling the best. And, you know, there are in Canada, I know, and I've also heard in America, and I'm sure outreaching widespread, there is going to be, you know, there's going to be light, a light at the end of the tunnel coming. Um, people are pulling together um, and there's a lot of hope. So, you know, that's all we have to hold on to at the time being, for the time being. That's all we have to hold on to, right, is that hope. And, um, you know, everybody's working very hard to minimize this situation. Washing their hands, cough etiquette, all that stuff. So, you know, there will be a brighter day. And, um, you know, do what you got to do. Put your pride aside. Um, if you got to deliver food, you know, like Uber food, Uber Eats, Foodora, if you got to do something like that, you know, I say go for it, you know. <clears throat> You're seeing some of these hoity-toity motherfuckers losing their shit. As I told you, I'm a janitor. So I'm mopping up a floor, right? <coughs> Then I hear this like knocking on a door, right? I was like, what the fuck? I look and there's like a glass door. And there's this dude standing there, real swarmy type dude. Panagonia jacket, Ray-Ban glasses, um, Merle, Merrill, you know that fucking name brand, Merrill, 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 uh, like hiking galoshes, like these kind of fancy looking hiking boots. So he just looked like a real doorknob kind of academic type, right? A real pencil neck. And he's standing there knocking on the door. I'm looking at him, right? I'm mopping the floor. Yo, what? He's he's holding like a, a bag of food, right? And he's like... Like, I can't fucking hear you. What? He's standing there. I'm, I'm watching his lips, right? He's basically saying, I got food! I got food! I'm like, oh, this asshole's a fucking Uber Eats delivery, motherfucker. He's losing his shit. You know? <laughs> you see the remnants of his past life, the grandiose remnants of his past life with them, with them fucking Panagonia jacket, Ray-Ban shades, Merrill hiking galoshes, fucking, you know, driving a Range Rover, delivering fucking Uber Eats. <laughs> So, like, yo, the motherfucker was losing his shit, but he's also doing what he has to do. You know, during these times, people got to tighten their belt, you know, swallow their pride. Nobody likes to swallow, but, um, you know, swallow that pride and, you know, do what we got to do. And, um, you know, there's always that option and uh, there's always hope. <laughs> Um, I know I've experienced it in my life, these tough times, these jams, you know, that fucked up roll of the dice, you know, I've experienced it many times in my life and, 
what I know is that there will always be a better day. And, um, you know, just maintain our health, maintain our happiness, and go forward. That's all we can do. And, you know, look forward to the company barbecue. There's going to be a farewell COVID-19 company barbecue around the corner. Don't you worry about it. Once everybody gets back to work, all the companies around the world will throw, um, you know, a farewell COVID-19 barbecue. Yay! And then you're going to be standing next to all those motherfuckers that you can't stand. All those fucking dummies that you were so happy to escape during the exodus of COVID-19. All those fucking morons. You'll be back back in line with them at the company barbecue. Elbow to elbow. To elbow. Hey, Jeff, what happened? I thought you died. Oh, no, actually, no. Um, I recovered. I recovered fine. You know, I was on a ventilator for the last fucking six months. But I'm okay now. Oh, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Have a hot dog. <laughs> you know? So look forward to the company barbecue. That will be a great way to bring us back to reality of how much we actually do hate each other once all this, uh, you know, COVID-19 nonsense washes over. And, um, you know, until then, I'm going to keep pushing my mop bucket, you know, keep uh, washing them windows, you know, pushing that garbage trolley, you know, vacuuming. Yeah. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan. Janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. 11 years of service. Um, <clears throat> yo, man, we're, we're taking a beating. Oh, oh I tell you. Oh, you know, we're taking a fucking beating. Uh, Stand-up comedy. You know, there ain't no real clear schedule in sight to when we can get back on up, back up and running. You know, from the top of the top to the lowliest of the low, you know. International touring arena acts to the fucking down and out open micers. We're all feeling that fucking crunch. And um, what I'm trying to do is take the positive, the positive approach. The negative will always be there. And that's like something par for the course in anything across industry, whatever you do, the negative will always be there. So there's no point even thinking about it, you know? It's like, oh, COVID-19 is fucking up my career. It's fucking up my dreams. Well, it's going to be there. That reality is going to be there. So it's like, there's no need or no point in focusing on it. So that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to take this time to... Um, be as effective as I can. Use my time as effectively as I can. Um, writing, plotting, scheming, you know, planning for what comes ahead, you know. I mean, you know, obviously my goal isn't to be, isn't to be a lifelong janitor. <laughs> it's a pit stop in the many pits that, um, you know, you got to spit out during a lifetime. It's just one of the many pits. <laughs> spit it out, you know? 
you know, I'm a janitor today, and, you know, maybe down the line, I'll be a, a touring uh, fucking dive bar act, you know, playing at the local shithole near you. So, you know, there's so many ups and downs, smiles and frowns, and it's about using that time effectively, using this downtime effectively. So, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. The podcast keeps it fresh. Um, and, you know, there's always Netflix. Um, Netflix, obviously, as well, maybe not so obviously, if y'all don't know, Netflix is like a beacon. It's like home plate. There's like just great specials, great comedy specials, great comedy films. You know, just a great source of entertainment. So I'm going to chomp into that. I'm going to take a bite into that. Have a little fun online. Streaming uh, things that inspire me. YouTube. A lot of people are releasing new podcasts. New comedy specials. You know. So that's also a very um, engaging, uh, inspiring hub of activity. So I'm going to be checking out YouTube. And... You know, keeping motivated and keeping effective with what I'm rocking with. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian. And those are the four, four things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Yeah, you know, COVID-19, you know. It's, you can't escape the motherfucking thing. Here is the latest statistics according to wikipedia.com. Worldwide statistics. So, as of today, Good Friday, April 10th, 2020. Worldwide, there are 1,650,210 confirmed cases. There are 368,669 3, recovered cases and 100,376 deaths. You know, those are the latest stats. And, um, you know... This is far more reaching than I had first originally anticipated. Um, you can see it in the, uh, just in the society, you know. Go into the grocery store, you know. I'll post a couple pictures, but, you know, if you've been going out to the grocery store amid this COVID chaos, you'll see it. Just lineups, droves of motherfuckers. Just, you know, I don't know if it's panic shopping. I don't know if it's fear and panic or if it's truly, um, you know, the reality of the situation. Also, there's um, a slower approach to life in these times, obviously. A lot of people out of work. A lot of people having to practice, well, society in general, having to practice uh, social distancing, that just makes things 
move slower. Like at the grocery store, um, you know, people have to stand like, what is it, two meters apart, six feet apart. So the social distancing makes it a lot more, a lot more time consuming when you're at the grocery store, standing in the lineup. Um, they only let so many people into the store at a time. So, hey, you know, these are protective measures and, um, you know, hopefully this will flatten the curb, the curve, as they say. Doesn't that sound inspiring? It just sounds um, like sometimes you hear something worded a certain way. It just makes sense. Like we're trying to flatten the curve, you know, all the social distancing, the washing of hands, the cough etiquette. We're trying to flatten the curve. So... I think there's a lot of hope in that. Whatever, whatever, wherever, whatever, however, this whole thing came about um, at the end of 2019, you know, wh however and wherever and why ever this thing came about, all the protective procedures that we're doing is bound to help. And, um, but man, is it ever, is it ever all encompassing, all eclipsing? COVID-19, coronavirus. But while I was at the grocery store, I also noticed like, yes, you know, oh, there's no beans. Oh, there's no toilet paper. Oh, there's no hand sanitizer. No dishing, no, no soap, no um, sanitized wipes. Oh my God, you know, we're in a pandemic. You know, there's a lot of scarcity. But there's also a lot of abundance, a lot of abundance, particularly in the pet food department. Yes, in the pet food department, as I was standing in line, which felt like forever, felt like fucking forever, standing in this fucking lineup, just waiting to pay for a fucking shop, like a fucking basket full of measly fucking... Um, staples, you know, a couple cans of beans, a couple bottles of Perrier water, you know, bag of peanuts, you know, some grapes, some green grapes just for a little treat, you know, no big fucking deal, just a little measly basket of fucking, you know, staples during this fucking pandemic. I'm standing in line for like half an hour, but I, hey, you know, it's the roll of the dice. But as I'm standing there in this fucking lineup, I couldn't help but notice like, wow, the pet department, it was like, a, a, there was like an, an abundance. There was like canned fucking cat food, canned dog food, canned fucking, uh, you know, fucking, I don't know, parrot food, you know? Ah, pieces of eight, pieces of eight, ah. you know? They had parrot food, they had parakeet food, you know? They had fucking pig food, they had everything, you know? It was like a fucking surplus of this pet food, you know? I even saw elephant food, you know? As I mentioned, I was buying peanuts. There was a big bag of peanuts there, too. I'm like, wow, you know, they even have food for elephants. <laughs> How do you make an elephant sound? <laughs> they even had elephant food, right? I'm like, wow, what an abundance of pet food. And it got, to me, it got, me, thinking about, got me thinking about cannibals. Like, how deprived would you really have to be to be a fucking cannibal? To, like, eat 
another person, another human being. Because like, yo, during this time of pandemic, during this time of crises, you know, certain things are a little scarce and it gets the blood running and it gets the fear up, gets the dander, gets the hair standing on the back of your neck. And I'm looking at this pet food. I'm like, there's not a fucking chance in hell that I'm going to eat a fucking can of fucking dog food if this shit turns sideways. I'm not eating a fucking milk bone. I'm not eating fucking meow mix, meow mix, meow mix, meow, 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 meow mix, meow mix, you know, cat food, dog food, fucking parakeet food. There's not a fucking chance in hell I'm eating fucking pet food during a food shortage. I'd rather just die, you know? (laughs) You see all these people running around, (laughs) you know, scared for their fucking lives, stockpiling all these supplies. It's like, what the hell's so great about living if it's going to be in these like apocalyptic, you know, end of the world times? Like if it's if it comes down to the line, I'm fucking starving to death. I'm not eating fucking dog food. Let alone like let alone eating a human being. Like how do you jump from how do you jump from like human decency? Human human consciousness. How do you jump from that to just pure cannibalism? You know? Like for example that movie, what was it? Alive about that rugby team that like crashed in the Andes or something or Peru or I don't know, some fucking landscape. They crash an airplane, this rugby team. And in order to survive, they have to feed on the carcasses of their dead friends. Talk about a scrum, (laughs) you know? And like, I don't even know how the fuck you can jump to cannibalism when, you know, you couldn't even get me to stomach a fucking mouthful of dog food. I ain't eating that shit. You know, next thing you know, I'll I'll start barking, you know, so I don't know, man, it's definitely food for thought during these times, but, um, you know, that's what's going on, you know, that's what I'm seeing in basic society. Something else of note, something newsworthy, um, Senator Bernie Sanders, Bernie Saunders, pulls out of the race, you know, bails um, amid this whole, um, that's the fucking hysteria, the hypnosis, hypnotic effect of this whole COVID-19. It's like, I can't even remember anything prior to COVID-19. I don't know what was going on in the world. I mean, news outlets were talking about World War Three. you know, just a few months ago, we're talking World War Three, Iran, U.S. conflict, you know it was like we're on the brink of a world war prior to this fucking pandemic and it's like i'm fucking dazed i'm dazed and confused i i don't really have any bearing of like what the whole fucking situation is just on a societal international world stage level it's just like just quarantined Like I said, turning into like a monkey with this fucking beard. I want a banana. You know, you know, got my feathers ruffled. So, you know, when when this latest news about Bernie Sanders, um, the Vermont state of Vermont, I believe, senator 
pulled out of the race. Um, that leaves the Democratic uh, leading party member, Joe Biden. Yeah, that will be the latest, uh, the, the contender for the crown come this November, the presidential election race. It's pretty much going to come down to, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden versus fake news, Chinese virus, okay? If you motherfuckers will quit eating bats, okay? We might see a little bit of a rain shine, a rainbow, a ray of hope. Okay, let me tell you something about this Wuhan virus, okay? It's a Chinese virus. It's the Kung flu. These motherfuckers are eating bats, okay? Ugh. So it's going to come down to, like, Joe Biden versus uh, President Trump, I guess. You know? It's hard to tell, really, at this point. Who really knows? But um, I read this very interesting article in regards to old Bernie Saunders, Bernie Sanders, um, this is from the website Al Jazeera. With a name like that, I don't really don't know what it is. Is this like some kind of ins- insurgent, you know, uh, some kind of fucking terrorist website or something? Al Jazeera? I don't know. But it's a pretty popular news source, you know. I want to get more politically aware, more socially politically aware. But, you know, I actually am quite informed compared to the average person, I believe. Like, I do read. I read newspapers. I read news stories. I follow things. But, you know, I think this whole fake news era, this whole COVID-19, it's really bringing out the idea of, I guess, I don't know, the, the smoke and mirror effect of, you know, power, the smoke and mirror effect of government, power, and media. That's a byproduct of this whole fake news, coronavirus pandemic, this, the times in which we live. You know, it's, it's bringing out, like, the true value and meaning in life, and it's also bringing out the, the total smoke and mere effect of just power, government, and media. Did the did the Kung flu really come from China? Is this a Chinese virus? Did it really come from the wet markets of Wuhan? Did it come from Chinese people eating bats? Was it biologically engineered by China to fuck up the American economy? Was it biologically engineered by the United States to fuck up the China economy? Is this just a population control, biologically engineered weapon to just fuck up population in general, whittle it down to the necessary people? Is it a, um, like, is it just complete um, fear and paranoia? Does it even exist? You know? This whole situation is really bringing out these thoughts. So, but in regards to Bernie Saunders, aljazeera.com, they have an article. Aljazeera.com. What a surprise. Bernie Saunders has right all was right all along. What a surprise. Bernie Sanders was right all along. 
This is an article by Andrew Mitrovica. Mitrovica from aljazeera.com. Oh, the irony. Confronted by an economy-killing pandemic, remarkably, a bunch of frantic politicians in the West have found lots of money to try to resurrect their suddenly on-life-support, market-driven balance sheets. Taken together, they have injected trillions of dollars to the frenetic effort, money they have always insisted they did not have and could not spend for to help people, they claim, with varying degrees of sincerity. They are now determined to help. Oh, now they want to help. Today, these rebar-hard capitalists turned quasi-socialists have become grudging facsimiles of Bernie Sanders, Sanders, whether they are prepared to admit it or not. The indefatigable Vermont senator has always known the money was there to help people who need help, and he has always been prepared to spend it to help people who need help, long before a lethal virus began obliterating United States' Ponzi scheme-like economy with tornado-like ferocity. Sanders and his humane designs to begin the long-overdue overhaul of the existing political and economic infrastructure to help people who need help were dismissed by the neoliberal industrial complex as the as the fantastical musings of a socialist cuckoo who kept peddling the impossible. That was a bit of a mouthful. Let's try it again. Uh, Wow, that's a long motherfucking sentence. There's not one period in this thing. It's like a fucking paragraph without any punctuation. Sanders and his humane designs to begin the long overdue overhaul of the existing political and economic infrastructure to help people who need help were dismissed by the neoliberal industrial complex as the fantastical musings of a socialist cuckoo who kept peddling the impossible. Well, the impossible has miraculously turned possible. The fantasy has, in part, turned real. The cocksure pundits and politicians who make up the neoliberal industrial complex and who told us that spending lots of money to help people who need help was crazy, 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 have lately been shouting, spend, 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 like the democratic socialist cuckoos they once Deridded. Derided. <clears throat> Sanders may have dropped out of the race to become president, but the plain transformative prescription that has defined his political career and his two improbable invigorating campaigns for president, that government must use its wealth to help people who need help, has not only been embraced by the neoliberal industrial complex, it will, I suspect, become the defining governing principle for the foreseeable future. Surely, Sanders can take good measure of credit for that, whether or not smug and catastrophically wrong neoliberals acknowledge that their disagreeable stubborn ideological nemesis has been right on the seminal score all along. This motherfucker is a fucking babbling thethorith. Holy fuck. How many fucking adjectives, fucking 
paradoxes, similes can this motherfucker drum up? Just get to the fucking point already. <clears throat> Others may even offer up the usual bromides to describe his decision to concede, in effect, the nomination to that other card-carrying member of the neoliberal industrial complex, Joe Biden, as gracious or dignified. Do not be fooled by the hollow expressions of magnanimity. Magnanimity. These are, remember, mostly the same naysayers who have spent so much vitriolic time in space on TV and in columns painting a preposterous caricature of Sanders as an angry, obdurate old man who posed an existential threat to U.S.'s thriving economy. And so on and so forth and da 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 So basically what they're saying is the neoliberal industrial complex, which is basically like the neoliberal as defined as, you know, traditional liberalism mixed with an emphasis on capitalism. Basically liberal ideas with a capitalist slant. The neoliberal industrial complex. So what they're basically saying is now that, um, you know, Bernie Sanders is out of the race, um, everyone in the government, everyone in government in the United States is basically um, platforming on his platform. You know, we have to spend. We have we have the money to help these people. They're throwing out bursaries. They're throwing out subsidies. They're doing this, doing that. And they're basically taking his standpoint and actually backing up his statements, his ideas that he campaigned for, basically saying like, you know, you know, he's saying all along, why can't we find the money to help people who need help? We obviously have the money. We're a wealthy nation. Why aren't we doing more to help the needy? And, you know, these tight pocket fucking neoliberals, these fucking Republicans, you know, Oh, we don't have any money. Oh, where are we going to get the money? Oh, oh, oh I don't have any money. Oh, oh, oh. Well, now during this pandemic and, you know, for during this pandemic, during this build up to the um, presidential race 2020, all of a sudden they're doling out money. So it's kind of like this hypocritical, this hypocrisy and this, well, I don't know if the word is hypocrisy. In a way, you know, you know, they, they, yeah, I guess so. They, they lambast him for being this fucking out of his mind socialist. Oh, you're just this fucking Marxist socialist commie fucking dummy who, um, you know, wants to just throw money around like a fucking um, child. You have no economic common sense. You're just a fucking... Um, a fucking moron, basically, you fucking, uh, you know, you live in a utopia land, Mr. fucking Sanders, you're an idiot. Basically, what they said about him, <laughs> now come this time of pandemic, this time of presidential race, they're basically all platforming on his platform, basically. We have to help the needy, we have to throw money around, da da da, da. So that was an article from Al Jazeera, I kind of, um, you know, it's kind of a left-leaning article. 
socialist slash left-leaning article. And one thing I've noticed about um, in this time of, um, when it comes to news cycles and news articles, one thing I've noticed, whenever you're reading, like, agree with it or disagree with it, you know, I'm probably somewhere in the vein of a libertarian. You know, I got many, you know, I'm very um, socially liberal, but like economically Republican or not Republican, but conservative. You know, it's like I'm socially liberal, but economically conservative. I got a lot of left-leaning sentiment. My only right-leaning sentiment is kind of like in terms of economics. You know, I don't quite believe that you should just throw money at people because it really produces poor results in character. You know, people become dependent on government. People come, become dependent on a handout. And it really stifles their growth. I've seen it growing up on welfare, you know. And, uh, but one thing I've noticed with news cycles and news articles, it's like, um, liberal news cycles and articles, they just, they just wind on and wind on and wind on. Like this article that I just told you, I cut short, like, God bless the writer, um, Mr. Andrew Metrova, Mr. Andrew Metrovica from aljazeera.com. The article I was just reading to you, it's a well-written, informative, well, I don't know if it's that informative, but it's well-written, it's, it's entertaining, and he makes his point, he makes his opinion. But it just drones on and on and on. I cut it short. I went halfway through, and I'm just like, okay, we get the point. It's just like spew upon spew upon spew. And it, it really makes no other point other than, you know, during this pandemic, people are hypocrites for calling out Bernie Sanders as a bird-brained socialist living in a utopia while they're basically using his platform to gain footing in these times of pandemic presidential race. That's the gist of it. But the article just drones on and drones on and drones on, right? Whereas when you're reading like conservative right-wing articles, they, gen they generally get to the point. They say their opinion, whether you believe it or not, they just get to the point. That's one thing I've noticed. Like when, whenever you're buying like a liberal newspaper, it just it's just fucking filler. They charge you more for it. Like a liberal newspaper in Toronto, where I live, Toronto Sun. I mean, sorry, the Toronto Star. The Toronto Star is like $2 more than the Toronto Sun. The Toronto Sun has a conservative viewpoint. The Toronto Star has a liberal viewpoint. The Toronto Star, their news articles just babble on, babble on. All these motherfuckers do is just babble on. These articles just go on forever. Whatever point they're trying to make, they try to make it. And then they charge you like an extra $2 for it. Whereas the conservative newspaper is just like, here's our opinion, here's our point. And they charge you less for it. So, I don't know. That's like my interesting take on, um, I guess, left versus right in this time of pandemic. And, uh, you know, going forward, you know, 
um, I guess I'll just be keeping my eye on these things and growing with the times. But it's just, it's just a real eye-opening situation for government, for media, for the mind during this time. This whole COVID-19 situation, it's really cracking the egg and getting down to the root of the cause and getting down to the value and the meaning in life, you know? Enough of these punditry, pundit games. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What is your opinion during these times, you know? And how are you feeling in regards to a worldview, you know? Are, are you having more faith in your government? Are you having a fleeting sense of faith in your, in your government, you know? How is this whole situation affecting your worldview? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, Good Friday. That's what we're rocking here, you know, at the time of recording. This is Good Friday. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus Christ, you know, um, this is like the important, uh, the most important slash relevant episode in the Christian storyline, the Christian tradition of Christianity, Christ. Good Friday slash Easter Monday, it's really the hallmark of the Christian faith. So what is Good Friday? Let's talk about it. This is an article from uh, wikipedia.com. So, Good Friday. Good Friday is a Christian holiday commemorating the crucifixion of Jesus and his death at Calvary. All right. So, Biblical account. According to, according to the accounts in the Gospels, the royal soldiers, guided by Jesus' disciple Judas, arrested Jesus in the garden of Jethaman. Jethaman. Tresame, Tresame, ooh la la. <clears throat> the royal soldiers, guided by Jesus' disciple Judas, arrested Jesus in the Garden of Jessamine. Judas received money, 30 silver pieces, for betraying Jesus and told the guards that whomever he kisses is the one they are to arrest. Is that why, like a lot of Christians, Catholics, kind of denounce homosexual lifestyle? All because of this kiss? That Judas planted on Jesus Christ. Okay, boys. So we're going in. We're going to bust this Jesus character. So um, the guy that you see me kissing, French kissing, that's Jesus. Okay? The guy that you find, the guy that you see me blowing, that's Jesus. Okay? <coughs> yep, that's Jesus. <laughs> that's why they don't like gay people. Absurd. Anyway, I digress. 
Um, following his arrest, Jesus was taken to the house of Anus, the house of Anas, the father-in-law of the high priest, Cephas. There he was interrogated. There he was interrogated with little result and sent bound to Cephas. These fucking names, I'm sorry, folks. There he was interrogated with little result and then sent bound to Caiaphas, the high priest, where where the Sanhedrin had assembled. Conflicting testimony against Jesus was brought forth by many witnesses, to which Jesus answered nothing. Finally, the high priest adjourned, adjured Jesus to respond under solemn oath, saying, I adjure you by the living God to tell us, are you the anointed one, the Son of God? Jesus testified ambiguously, You have said it, and it is in time you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Almighty, coming on the clouds of heaven. <laughs> Jesus came on the clouds? Jesus came on the clouds. Oh, Father! Getting a little graphic, right? Jesus never masturbated. He had holes in his hands. But, um, you have said it, and in time you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Almighty, coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest condemned Jesus for blasphemy, and the Sanhedrin concurred with a sentence of death. That's one thing I always forgot. It's like Jesus was on trial. Jesus caught a case. Like, it's so strange to think, like, our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ, he caught a case. He was in the courtroom just like, what the fuck, (laughs) y'all? The time will come. You'll see me come on a cloud. Then you'll know I'm the Son of God. All right? (laughs) Apparently. Peter, waiting in the country yard, courtyard, also denied Jesus three times to bystanders, while the interrogations were proceeding, just as Jesus had predicted. In the morning, the whole assembly brought Jesus to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, opposing taxes to Caesar. Sorry, they brought Jesus to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, under charges of subverting the nation, opposing taxes to Caesar, and making himself a king. Pilate authorized the Jewish leaders to judge Jesus according to their own law and execute sentencing. However, the Jewish leaders replied that they were not allowed by the Romans to carry out a death sentence. What do you want me to do about it? You know, you got this guy, he's coming on clouds. He's calling himself the king of the Jews. He's calling himself the son of God. He's masturbating on clouds. I don't know what you want me to do about this. I don't know what you want from me. I tell you. The Jewish leaders replied that they were not allowed by the Romans to carry out a death sentence. Pilate questioned Jesus and told the assembly there was no basis for sentencing. Upon learning that Jesus was from Galilee, that sounds like a nice place. Where do you come from? I live in Galilee. It just sounds nice. You know, by the way, I am like a spiritual person, raised Christian. Just, I don't know, something kind of welled up in me there, like, shiver me timbers, I love the Lord, you know? I love Jesus. I love God. I love a higher power. But, 
I am a swarmy fucking comedian slash podcaster slash YouTuber. Let me continue. <clears throat> By the way, um, please like, subscribe, um, pray. Anyway, so <clears throat> Pilate questioned Jesus and told the assembly that there was no basis for sentencing. Upon learning that Jesus was from Galilee, Pilate referred the case to the ruler of Galilee, King Herod who was in Jerusalem for Passover feast. Herod questioned Jesus, but received no answer. Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate. Pilate told the assembly that neither he nor Herod found Jesus guilty. Pilate resolved to have Jesus whipped and released. What a sadistic fuck. You know what? He's not guilty. Um, I'm going to release him. Ain't nothing I can... Re I don't know what to say. Like... You know, it's no big deal. But for good measure, let's whip him. <laughs> these fucking sadists. These fucking crazy fucking Roman dummies. Like, just let the motherfucker live. I would have just been like, yo, man. I heard you make water into wine. Just make me a couple jugs of wine. And, well, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so. But then again, like, in my imagination, sometimes it's still nice to get drunk. So I'd be like, okay, just make me a couple fucking bottles of wine and then beat it, all right? You be a good boy now. But no, they had him whipped. These fucking animals, right? All right. So. Under the guidance of the chief priests, the crowd asked for Barabbas, who had been imprisoned for committing murder during the insurrection. Pilate asked that they would have him do with Jesus... Pilate asked what they would have him do with Jesus, and they demanded, Crucify him! Peasants are peasants from the dawn of time to the current time. You know? Peasants. Stupid-minded, small-minded people thinking what other people do has something to do with what they do. These absolute fucking moron peasants that Jesus was turning water into wine, making bread for, walking on water, doing fucking, you know, magic tricks. He's entertaining and feeding these idiots, yet they, that, yet they cry, crucify him! I hate peasants. Anyway, they demanded, crucify him! Pilate's wife had seen Jesus in a dream earlier that day, and she forewarned Pilate to have nothing to do with this righteous man. Finally, somebody with some common sense, Pilate's wife, you know, have nothing to do with this righteous man. But what does Pilate do? Pilate has Jesus flogged, then brought him out to the crowd to release him. The chief priests informed Pilate of a new charge demanding Jesus be sentenced to death. Because he claimed to be God's son, this possibility filled Pilate with fear. And he brought Jesus back inside the palace and demanded to know where he came from. So, like, that's the whole part of this trial, this whole Jesus trial. They just keep asking him, where did you come from? Where did you come from? Where did you come from? He's like, I told you, y'all. Like, I'm up in the clouds. I'm coming on clouds. I'm up there ejaculating on cl clouds. And it should be clear that I'm the son of God. Like, how much more fucking... I can't make it any clearer for you. All right? I'm the son of God. I come on clouds. End of story. Like, what else do you want me to fucking tell you? Do you want me to make you some wine? 
You know, let me make you a sourdough bread, you know. What do you want? A croissant? Like, I'll do whatever you want, but just, I can't answer it any other way. I'm, I'm the son of God. These dummies don't want to listen to him. They just won't listen. Lord, forgive them. They got that evil in them. Uh-huh. Coming before the crowd, one last time, <laughs> Pilate declared Jesus innocent and washed his own hands in water to show he had no part in the, condem- in the condemnation. Nevertheless, Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified in order to forestall a riot and ultimately to keep his job. You fucking company man. <laughs> you sent the son of God over to be crucified by a bunch of moron, dildo, dummy, doorknob, doorbell fucking peasants just to keep your stupid job as Pontius Pilate? You're not even a real pilot. You know? What's with this whole, you want to keep your pilot job? You're not even a fucking pilot. Planes don't even exist at the time of fucking Jesus. You stupid idiot. Why do you even want to keep this job? I would have been like, yo, just like I said, he's the son of God. He came on a cloud. It's pretty obvious. Let him go. Fucking company, man. So anyway, um, Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified in order to forestall a riot and ultimately to keep his job. The sentence was written was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus carried his cross to the site of execution, assisted by Simon of Cyrene. Called the place, uh, they called the place Place of Skull, or Golgotha, in Hebrew, and in Latin, Calvary. So they take him to Calvary to be crucified. There he was crucified along with two criminals. Jesus agonized on the cross for six hours. I'd assume it would be pretty agonizing. I don't know why I had to write that. You know, it's pretty obvious. It was pretty agonizing to be hanging, stapled to a cross. Jesus agonized on the cross for six hours. During the last three hours on the cross, from noon to 3 p.m., darkness fell over the whole land. Jesus spoke from the cross, quoting the messianic Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, that's like the saddest part of the whole story to me. It's like, you got this wonderful human being. He's loving leopards. He's loving prostitutes. In a very, like, platonic love sense, you know, washing their feet, pouring them glasses of wine that he made himself, baking loaves of bread, walking on water. He did nothing but good. And then these stupid peasants and these pundits and these bureaucratic assholes in this very fucking backwards time, which is very much reminiscent and reflected in these times, these fucking bozos, they're like, crucify him, string him up. He's too good. And it is a very sad thought to think of him hanging on a cross. Like, can you think of any more? Can you think of a more? Like, that's got to be one of the worst ways to die. Crucifixion. It's truly barbaric. It's truly heartless. So, you know, Jesus spoke from the cross, quoting the Masonic, Messianic Psalm 22. My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? He's crying out to the Lord, crying out to his Father. With a loud cry, Jesus gave up his spirit. There was an earthquake. Tombs broke open, and the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The centurion on guard at the sight of the crucifixion declared, Truly, this was God's Son. Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, I can't pronounce that, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Sanhedrin and a secret follower of Jesus, who had not consented to his condemnation, went to Pilate to request the body of Jesus. Another secret follower of Jesus and a member of the Sanhedrin named Nicomendus brought about a hundred-pound weight mixture of spices and helped wrap the body of Jesus. Jesus always got so many shitty presents, you know. When he's born, they're giving him frankincense and myrrh. Like, who the fuck wants that? Then when they die, they eat, they wrap him up in fucking, what, pe- paprika? Or what does it say here? They wrap him up in mixtures of spices and, you know, 100-pound weight of mixtures of spices and stuff. You know, it's just like, you know, crucified, never got a decent present, you know, nothing. Just suffering to the end. Um... Pilate asked confirmation from the centurion of whether Jesus was dead. A soldier pierced the side of Jesus with a lance, causing blood to blood and water to flow out, and the centurion informed Pilate that Jesus was dead. <laughs> Fucking prick. Not only could he just... You're so dumb. They were so dumb in those days. Like, he's obviously dead. He's hanging there. <sighs> hanging there dead on a cross. They have the fucking gall. They have to go poke him with a spear just to make sure. Oh, yeah, he's dead. It's kind of like when you poke, like, uh, you know, you poke a piece of steak to see if it's well-cooked or whatever. <sighs> fucking Roman guards. Dumbasses. Um, Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and placed it in, an, in his own tomb that had been carved in the rock in a garden near the site of the crucifixion. Nicodemus, Nico, Nicoret? What the fuck is this idiot's name? Nicodemus also brought 70... Oh, no, I read this shit already. Uh, oh, fuck, they just repeat themselves. Not my fault. Okay, yes, so Nicoret or Nicodemus or whatever, this guy... Uh, Nicodemus also brought 70 pounds of myrrh myrrh and aloe and placed them in the linen with the body in keeping with Jewish burial customs. They rolled a large rock over the entrance of the tomb. Then they returned him and rested. Then they returned home and rested because Shabbat had begun at sunset. After Shabbat, which is like, uh, I guess, the Sabbath day, in Jewish culture, something along those lines. Then they returned home and rested because Shabbat had begun at sunset. After the Shabbat at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. He is not here. He has risen, just as he 
said. So in a nutshell, um, that is Good Friday slash Easter. You know, Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ will come again. Christ has risen. And, you know, Good Friday, Easter, it's truly the the most meaningful um, segment of, you know, Christ and Christianity, you know. It's more meaningful than Christmas, but yet Christmas is, you know, uh, capitalist, uh, consumer-minded, totally void of, you know, any real spiritual meaning. That's kind of how it's been drummed up, packaged, and sold in this in this time in which we live. But it's truly Good Friday, Easter, that um, is the meaningful storyline in Christianity. And, you know, the golden rule, do unto others as you will have done unto yourself. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. You know? Jesus, you know, hate it or love it, believe it or don't, you can't fight with that. Live and let live. And it's such a beautiful reminder here on this Good Friday for me, especially in this time of, um, you know, pandemic. And reflecting, going, reflecting and moving forward, it's all about that moving forward. And um, I'm definitely going to take this opportunity in quarantine on this Good Friday to um, think on the meaning of Jesus and how, you know, believe in it or not, what his story meant and what he stood for. And, you know, it all comes down to that golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Live and let live. You know? And, um, yeah. Hallelujah. Um, before I get out of here, I'm going to go do a little bit of uh, mask shopping. Want to shop with me for some masks? I'm going online here. I got to get myself a mask, right? Because, you know, you never know what's going to happen during these times. Uh, you know, I don't really want to, I don't really want to wear like a handkerchief around my face, you know, just in case I get stopped by the cops, you know, you never fucking know. They're always trying to fucking hold a black man down, right? So, you know, I don't want to be rolling up at a fucking grocery store, you know, got my gang signs on and shit, you know, like, I don't need that. I don't need the torment. I don't need the harassment, you know? Just want to get a fucking roll of toilet paper, wipe my ass, live to see another day. I don't need to get shot by a cop, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know why I laughed at that. It's a reality. But, uh, you know, there are circumstances that, uh, you know, hey, life is all about circumstance, right? But basically, I need to get a mask because I don't want to, you know, you never know, right? I want to keep myself uh, kind of 
kind of accountable during these times. Do unto others as you'll do unto yourself. You know, I would prefer people practice safe protocol with me, so I should practice safe protocol with them. If I'm going to go to a grocery store, is it really that much of a sacrifice to wear a fucking mask on my face? Not really. I know it does deprive uh, people of seeing my gorgeous face, but like, you know, it's really not that much of a sacrifice. So, you know, there's a few different masks, you know, Amazon.ca. Oh, here's a cute koi one. Organic Labs 5-pack face masks with breathing. 100% cotton. Washable, reusable. You know, it's so sad. These are the times we live in, you know, they're trying to make it seem fun and fashionable, you know. This cute couple all cozied up with their masks. <laughs> their coronavirus end of the world masks. We're having fun. We're having fun. Look at us. We're having so much fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> I can almost see them smiling through the fucking masks. Ridiculous. So, you know, there's all these different types of masks. Do you guys have masks? I even, like, um, my manager at work, as I mentioned, I'm a janitor. My manager at work, she was telling me that her mother um, called her tailor, you know, the family tailor, like, to, like, make her up a whole bunch of homemade masks, you know? People are really, you know, it's the times we're living in, fashion and the mask industry. Ooh, a dust facial decorative mask. Beauty butterfly printed. (laughs) This fucking mask with butterflies on it and shit. PM 2.5 filter. Filter masks, PM... 0.25 filter, you know, I think I'm going to go with these, um, this five pack, this five pack, 100% cotton, it's got a 4.5 star review on Amazon, you know, but I was also thinking, um, maybe I should shop around for this, because like, you know, during this time of like, you know, working from home, pandemic, a lot of people are working from home, so like webcam girls, What about like a sexy webcam girl, you know? Like what if like, there's got to be like this sub culture, sub business of like, you know, maybe a webcam girl or a webcam girl slash seamstress tailor. Like what if like you snip a fucking bra, a brassiere, what if you snip a brassiere in half and like, you know, make a face mask with like one of the cups, you know? Imagine burying your face in some fucking ex-porn star's fucking B-cup fucking, you know, corona mask, you know, just, oh, yeah, or like, you know, some used panties or something. Like what, you know, there's got to be a market for that. Twisted, kind of disgusting, especially on a good Friday. But hey, you know, we got to, I never, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get laid again during this time of quarantine. So like, you know, I think it would be okay to like, get like a, like a brassiere mask, you know, <sighs> you know, but hey, <laughs> um, whatever, whatever we can do to combat the virus in these times, you know, wash our hands, cough etiquette, cough into the side of your armpit, <clears throat> you know, uh, wash your hands, you know, elbow bump and, you know, bury your face in some webcam girl's tit face mask 
All right, I tried. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent April 10th, Good Friday, in the year of our Lord, 2020. Coronavirus, keep your head up, you know, we're gonna come through it, you know? World view, what is your world view in lieu of um, just sanity? In lieu of the sanity that, you know, pandemic, unfortunately, uh, drums up, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. What is your worldview in these times of pandemic, uh, fake news, media shift, value shift? What are you thinking? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. If you're liking and loving the show, please do tell a friend, share it, you know, it really helps out the show. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I'm available on YouTube, Jonathan Ramcharan on YouTube. Um, So do seek me out. Until next time, folks, you live it, you love it, you realize it. I stay safe. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.